is God just kind of took it and ran with it, and I'm ready for him to run with it some more, so I'm just going to jump right in. Actually, I had this whole cool, like, uh, softball parallel to some things in the Bible, but I got, like, some of my softball moms up in the house, and I'm afraid that if I say anything wrong or, <laughs> or pretend like I know what I'm talking about, they're going to call me on it later, so just hold it until we leave the church, and then you can tell me where I messed up tonight, okay? If you haven't learned by now, Pastor Randon and I are a softball-loving, baseball-playing kind of family. And so he's been teaching me because I have not an ounce of athleticism in my body, not an ounce. Like, they always made me the manager of every, of every basketball team, of every – I would sit on the end of the bench on our volleyball team, and, and my coach would say, pray, Lindsay, pray, because I was the chaplain of the volleyball team and the manager of the basketball team because I was that bad. They would just put me on the end. And so I would just pray back and forth. I would just pray, oh, God, help them. Oh, God, help them. As a freshman, I was the chaplain because I was so bad at sports. And so I know nothing. And my husband, my husband's trying to fill me in on all the rules. I still don't get all the rules. And I get mad at the ref. And I'm not supposed to get mad at the ref because he's right and I'm wrong. And I'm saying stuff that doesn't make any sense. And so my husband's like, please, just don't don't say anything that, that, that could be held against you, okay? Just try to keep it together enough during Kennedy's games not to yell out anything that makes you sound silly. So lately, I just get really excited, and I clap real hard, and I just try not to say anything because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I will tell you that he has been teaching me a couple things, and here's a couple things that I've been learning. I've been learning to listen to certain sounds of the game. Have you ever listened, like, if you ever lived with a real sports player in the house, they, they like, teach you all this stuff. Like, if you close your eyes, you can hear the sound, right? He told me, you'll hear a crack in, a, in the pop of a bat when it hits a ball. And if it's a, if it's a ding, then it's not going to go very far, he said. But if it's a pop like that, Oh, you know you just made it to the outfield or something like that. So I've been closing my eyes and, like, trying to, to like, let it all seep into my spirit. <laughs> and so I'm sitting on the benches and I'm listening, and I, I, I can't hear what he's talking about. But I will tell you what, what changed all that for me was Kennedy, my little softball player, she's in a batting slump. And uh, I laughed and giggled because I didn't really know that was a real thing. Like, that, there's really such a thing as a batting slump. Did you know that? Some of you. You've got to have to just yes or no with me tonight. You've got to have to entertain me just a little bit. Okay. And so he's, she's in a batting slump. And I found out there's, there's a couple reasons why. Because I'm real competitive, but I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, why is she in a batting slump? Help her. Help her. Figure it out. And he's like, you have to calm down. Everybody goes through this if you play baseball. He said, the problem is, is that as she grows... She has to change bats because the bats have to get heavier as she grows, and she's taken a growth spurt. And so the old bat that she used to have doesn't work for her anymore. And so I'm getting her a new bat. I'm like, hurry up, hurry up. And then when I saw the price, I was like, slow down, slow down. And uh, the other reason why she's in a batting slump and can't, can't hit very far and that kind of thing is, is because we changed into um, – we, we are in league ball. And we went to play some select ball this, during this season. And they changed balls from a soft one to a little bit harder. And so the normal metal bat that she uses, it just dinks it. Remember that sound? I was like, dink. But a composite bat doesn't do that. It makes that pop sound. And so Randon went and got her a bat. And she's been playing with it and doing all this kind of stuff. And she, she can't hit the ball with this 
this new bat, which is so frustrating to me as a mother because I just, we just spent a lot of money on a bat that she, the girl can't hit. And so, and, and if you know anything about it, we're so proud of her because she had like an 800 to 950 range batting average. Okay, like 1,000 is perfect. And she was, this last fall season, she's doing really good, and all of a sudden she's like can't hit a thing. I mean, I, I could just put it right at her, and she still couldn't hit it with this new bat. And I am just frustrated to pieces. Do y'all have any, are y'all like stage moms, athlete moms? Do y'all like really get in the ref's face? Because a few of us, the blonde right there, so we, we have to calm ourselves down. We have to calm, we like start pacing back and forth if our daughter can't hit a ball. And so, so all this is going on in this last term, this last week, I closed my eyes to listen to what my husband was talking about. And uh, all the other girls started hitting with Kennedy's new bat, and they are knocking it, like, out into the outfield. They're like, we got to get one of these. All the parents are coming up. Where'd you get that bat? Where'd you get that bat? Kennedy can't hit anything. Oh, my gosh. You should have seen the tears. The drama. I don't even know where she gets it. She doesn't get it from her mama. And so she's crying. And, and oh, everybody's hitting my bat, and her dad's not making it any better. Well, that's because you're not doing the same thing you should have been doing. And anyways, it was just drama the whole weekend. While everybody else was praying on Saturday night prayer, I, Saturday night I was praying that my daughter and my husband would all just, everybody would get along on the softball field, okay? That's what y'all were praying for Saturday night was us, just so you know. <clears throat> so the difference is in the sound. Finally, she hit a ball, and I could hear the difference. I could hear the difference in the sound of the ball when it hit the bat. It sounded like it was going to go farther. And sure enough, when she started hitting it, finally she starts hitting it by the end of Saturday night. And it starts going farther and farther. And she's getting her comfort back. And she's getting her confidence back. And she's building. And I'm going somewhere with this. Some of y'all are sitting here going, where is she going with this? Well, I'm, trust me, I'm about to crack the Bible open right now. Okay. It reminds me a lot of the Battle of Jericho. See, Kennedy had to trust her father. She had to trust him enough to know that he knows the game way better than she does. She also had to obey him. She did not want to bat with that new bat. She did not want to get behind that. She was so scared to use it. She looked like she was back six years old. You know, like she had no confidence whatsoever. And, and so he made her use the bat. He said, no, we bought this. You're going to use it. You're going to get used to it. We have to trust him. We have to use the bat, use, obey him, trust, and just know that God has our best interest at heart. And that's a lot like the Battle of Jericho. If you'll open up your word with me tonight, and if not, I have it on the screen just for you. In Joshua chapter 4, 12 through 13, the armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan, just as Moses had directed. Okay, remember that. Moses directed that. <clears throat> These armed men, about 40,000 strong, a 40,000-member army strong, were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them as they crossed over the plains of Jericho. <clears throat> You'll notice that Moses now has passed, and he has handed off a 40,000-man army, strong, ready for battle, and has handed it off to Joshua. Joshua is the one, you remember, that's commissioned to take the promised land, remember? In the word, it said that that generation would see the promised land. 
but because the other ones griped all the time, they lost their privilege to see the promised land. So Moses is hand, hands it over to Joshua, and now he has a 40,000-member army. Now, that's one way of defeating wars, of winning battles. See, in the desert, they defeated many an enemy with that 40,000 men strong. Many. They, 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 they were victorious for the Lord. Many occasions they won in the Lord's name. It even says here, and the Lord was with them. And the Lord was with them as they crossed over the plains of Jericho. So that was God's weapon for that season with those 40,000 men. That was God's weapon. He was with them. That's what he provided for the Israelites. But here's where the change comes, okay? In Joshua chapter 5, 13 through 15, it says, When Joshua was, was near the town of Jericho, now this is Joshua getting ready to take the promised land, he looked up. And saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Now, some of y'all are going to remember this because Pastor Raymond just preached on this. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command. Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? You can read on. And he tells him to take off his sandals. This is you're standing on holy ground. And at that moment, the tactic, the strategy has changed. The strategy changes. So what does the Lord do? He comes in and says, Joshua, I know you have 40,000 men strong. And I've used that, and that's good. But right now, I'm about to change some stuff on you. And notice Joshua's posture. Whatever you want to do, do it now. Change it. I'm ready. What do you want your servant to do? That's a good attitude to take, y'all, because staying in the will of God keeps you in line for victory. Joshua 6, chapter 6, verse 15 through 16, we're like skimming through the whole Bible tonight. We're going to get to Revelation within an hour. Just checking. It says, <clears throat> this is actually the strategy of how they took uh, the promised land. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho, oh, skip down now to verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into this town and captured it. Do you all remember the, um, the uh, children's story? You know, they marched around the battle of Jericho. I know there's even a song. Uh, and the walls dun, 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 down to the ground. I think so. Isn't that right? Or is that another song? Okay. Okay. You know the kid's story. So, so all that, that whole story is about obedience and how God wants to win a victory a different way, right? But what you don't understand is, is that this was, this was uncomfortable for them because they had 40,000 men ready for battle. They had won many a battle with this army. And instead, he wants us to walk around a city. Don't you see how that could be just a little bit uncomfortable? How that could test you 
and make it's a mental game. It's a mental game. You're going, God, I can, I can do this. See, the problem is, is that once we've stayed in a season too long, we keep using the same things that God has given us to use, even, even though we've outgrown them. Just like my, my daughter had outgrown her bat, it's almost like you grow stagnant because now you're not relying on the Lord anymore. You're relying on your own abilities in that season. God changed, changed offensive tactics. Here's the question. Here's the question. Do you want to win in life bad enough to change what you're doing? Gosh, how many, how many marriages do I hear the same thing over and over and over again? They don't really want to change, but they want their marriage to get better. Or how many parents come to me with problems about their teenagers over and over and over again? They really don't want to change the way they're dealing with their teenager. They just want their teenager to get better. It's a different season. They're not six anymore. They're 16. You're going to have to change a little bit. <laughs> Spanking on the bottom doesn't work. They laugh at you. Well, that's my five-year-old now laughs, so I have to change up anyways. <laughs> we have to be obedient to try a new weapon or try a new tactic. We have to be patient when it doesn't seem to be gaining ground. Don't you know that when they were walking around that city and didn't see one brick falling to the ground, that they were growing a little bit weary, like, this is ridiculous. We are going to be made fun of so bad. Isn't that what stops us in our tracks every time we go to do something for God? We are so concerned that he's not going to come through on his end that we're afraid, afraid to even open our mouth. We're afraid to even take the first step. But God is proving himself here. They just keep walking in obedience. They just keep being faithful. They just know that God knows better than they do. And that's what I kept telling Kennedy the other day. I kept going, babe, I know you think you know it all, and you're eight, and you're pretty darn smart. She's pretty darn, she pretty much outwits me a lot, but I don't let her know that. But you don't know as much as your daddy does at softball right now, so you need to just do what he's telling you to do. It's a mental game. Take, take that mental block out of here and just start using the weapon, using the bat that dad has given you. Take that mental block. All these other girls, they don't have a mental block with it. Why are they swinging and hitting? You, this is just a mental thing for you. Get past it. And that's what I feel like the Lord is speaking to me today. He's saying, get past your own self. Stop worrying about what you can do. This isn't about you. I want it to look like it's all me. I don't want it to look like it's all you. Hey, Brandon was telling, actually, he was telling one of our players, Jada, he said, Jada, let the bat work for you. You don't have to work the bat. Let the bat work for you. It's going to make it go farther and faster. We have to be obedient. We have to be patient. We have to be faithful in knowing he's going to come through. Psalms 98, verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. And I want you to realize here that in the Bible, his, his right hand represents his power and his faithfulness. How does he win victories? How does he do wonderful deeds? How is he mighty in battle? Through his power, through his power, and through his faithfulness to provide that power for us. If you go on to read that, that is the most encouraging chapter in Psalms. 
encouraging. Why am I talking about warfare and battles? And Because I feel like that every day we're on this earth, there's something else we have to overcome, whether it's small or whether it's big, whether it's, whether it's hard or where it's pretty easy. But you still have to overcome it. You still, because the Lord is constantly testing your heart, and he's constantly allowing the devil to tempt you, to grow you, to grow you. So, so I use war strategies or game strategies, but really I'm talking about just life in general. The weapons of our past season won't work in a new season. Do you want to change? Do you want to win bad enough to change? Okay, why the ram's horn? When they, they, it says that they blew a ram's horn. Why not a trumpet? Why not a shiny, pretty trumpet that made some really beautiful noise? Because if you've ever heard a ram's horn, it's very, it's the dullest of all basses. Did I say that correctly, Pastor Deegan? It's the dullest of all basses. It's what it said about the ram's horn. I looked it up, so if you don't know, I know better than you. And so... <laughs> It's, and it's not showy at all. It's not shiny or anything like that. Why would God choose that? Because God, if you haven't noticed, every person, every story in the Bible is about God's redemption. He wants to take the weakest and make them the strongest. He wants to take them the saddest looking and make them the queen of everything. You know, like Esther had no mama, no daddy, was being raised by her crazy uncle, and she, she was a Jew and she wasn't supposed to be all up in the palace. But yet, God makes her queen. It's because God likes to take a nothing and make it a great. So he said, I'm going to take this instrument, and I'm going to blow it, and we're going to shout, and these walls are just going to start to crumble. And can I tell you that a lot of people say that the victory was won in the shout. But I'm not going to lie to you. I think that the shout was just obedience. I think the victory, the game-changing sound, was when the bricks began to fall. When the first bricks began to crumble, don't you know that there was an adrenaline? Don't you know that they said, this is working. There's, these, these bricks are falling. This is working right now. I can't believe it. It's like, I, I, like what I was listening to my husband. He said, now feel, the game just changed. He'll, he'll tell me, see, the game just changed right here. And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. But now I feel it. Now I feel it. It's, it's, it's when a player has enough confidence. When something happens, they hit that ball that they didn't think they could hit, and it changes the whole game. And all of a sudden, they go, we, we can win this. We can win this. And all of a sudden, it takes them to another level. And, the, and I truly believe that the Lord got them to this place where the bricks began to fall because they could take the city. It says they went in and they seized the city. I don't know if that would have happened if they hadn't have gotten their confidence from the Lord. I think it had just been a really bad, ugly battle. But they seized the city because God had showed up with his power and his faithfulness, his right hand. Amen? The sound of victory. I think it's the worship and the obedience and all that that gets them there. But guys, guys, the changing sound, the sound of a victory was those bricks falling. This is working. This is really working. You know? Brandon and I, we pay tithe faithfully. We, we give faithfully. We give when, when it hurts. We give when it doesn't hurt. We just give all the time. And it's going to be beautiful the day that we wake up and say, we're out of debt. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm be like, 
that worked. <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to sound for us. It's going to be like that money cha-ching sound, you know. God is going to show up in a big way because of the obedience factor. And that worship is the obedience and faithfulness and patience. But those bricks falling, that's a game changer. That's a game changer. God can change your course even through defense. So we, we see the offense, but what about the defense, okay? Now, I used to cheer with defense, but my dad would sit on the sidelines when I was a cheerleader, and he would tell me, okay, now it's defense, defense cheer. And so then I would call a defense cheer. And then when it was offense, he would tell me it was offense because I couldn't read the games. Yeah, it was just sad. What cheerleader has to call cheers and doesn't know if it's defense or offense? We don't know. But my, my, my dad would tell me, he would say, it's defense, honey, it's defense. Go do the defense cheer. Game-changing defense. Acts chapter 16, let's see here. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 24. One day, oh, let me back up and tell you who this is. Paul and Silas, uh, this is Paul and Silas, and they are going about preaching the gospel, and it's not really legal. And so they're, they're just, demons are just ready to devour them. Okay, so that's the setup. <laughs> Is that a good setup? One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, honestly, stop here for just a minute. I'm thinking, what is the harm in that? She is just announcing who they are, for crying out loud. But really what the problem is, is that she was taunting them because she was letting people know this is what they're doing. She was telling on them so that they would be taken and, well, you're about to see. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are, treating, they are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered and them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. Do you ever feel like you're being set up, that you're being baited by Satan? That was, that was, that was clearly a setup, a spiritual setup. A demon is taunting him so that it, that it will tick everybody off and he'll get beaten and thrown in jail for doing what he's called to do. You can't tell me that's not a clear picture of being on the defense, of holding off the opposition. I am sure that he probably did not cast that demon out because he knew what was coming. Don't you know, it took a couple days. He said, finally, he was so exasperated, he finally cast it out. Why wouldn't he have cast it out the first day? Because he probably knew, this is a setup. I know what this is. I know what's coming. If God hadn't let it happen, though, this is the thing. God allows us to go on the defense. Why? Because when we come out of the defense winning, we see some of the biggest miracles we've ever seen in our life. See, if you read on here, if you read on in Acts 16, verse 25 
to 26, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That's a game changer. The worship was just straight obedience and faithfulness. Shackles falling off, that's a game changer. In my book, I'm like, now I'm not just singing uh, something slow. Now I'm jumping around and acting silly and, you know, hallelujah. You know what I mean? I'm taking a lap around the jail cell. You know what I mean? Because it's a game changer. The sound of a game changer. My, my daughter caught a ball the other day that she was not supposed to catch, and it popped in her glove so loud, I thought her glove came off her hand. And I, she didn't even know how she did it. She looked down like, did that really happen? The game is still going on, and she's looking at it like, wow, that just happened. The sound of a game changer. What the devil meant to destroy you and take you under and seize you and make you to the point where you can't come back. You just can't come back. God immediately will turn around for your good. It says, uh, here's a a word that's used in sports. I had to look it up. A rally is an abrupt recovery from a setback. Why don't we use this in church? Holy moly. We need to write a worship song with the word rally in it. Can you do that? Okay, get at it. And so an abrupt... An abrupt recovery from a setback. I want to believe that that was a rally, a Holy Ghost rally. I want to have a rally up in here. Oh, my gosh. What it does for you is it makes your faith skyrocket at a rapid pace. And things that you would normally not be able to do because your faith is about this big, all of a sudden your faith is so huge that you could say boo and 10 million demons would just fly out of the room. It's like Matrix style. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. You like Matrix style? That was my interpretation. Let me read on. Acts 16, 30, verse 30. It says, then he brought them out. This is the jail, the jail cell guy. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, What must I do to be saved? Of course he's wanting to know how to get saved because he just saw the most incredible thing happen in the entire, I mean, I'm wanting to know, you know, like I'd get saved again too if I was sitting there and there was an earthquake and people's shackles start falling off. I'm getting saved all over again. They reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house. He set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Now that is the finish of a game. I want to know how that jail cell person, that jailer, I guess you call him, a jailer, how he felt. Because God just did a whole lot just to get him and his household saved. I mean, he just, they just, he just jumped through hoops to get that, that family saved. It puts such a sweet ending on something so difficult that you know that God allowed to happen to make you stronger. I, I know that every time one of these things happen, I don't believe Paul came out of the gate with faith that just rocked the world. I, I believe he was like every human on this earth, and he had to grow in his faith. 
And I believe that this right here probably skyrocketed him pretty quick. I mean, it would skyrocket my faith. I'd be praying over everybody, everybody. Even if you didn't, if you were running from me, I'd still be praying over you. God can have a defensive strategy as well. My husband says, <clears throat> he says this thing. <laughs> it says, uh, finish the play, finish the inning, finish the game. But he tries to get him to say it really fast. Have you ever played, have you ever coached like a little league or little dribblers or like 8U softball at all? I'm, I'm telling you, it's like herding bumblebees. I'm very serious. It's like once you've got one, there goes the other one. And once you've got this one, there goes the eight. And, and he's like trying to teach them how to say, finish the play, finish the inning, finish the game, finish the play, finish. I mean, I get tongue-tied. I'm an adult, and these little girls are all just like, ah. I have a video. I, my video now, I try to get all fancy and edit my own iPhone video, and I cut off half the video. But you'll get the picture here. You got it for me, Ryan? Quiet. Finish the Finish the game. Finish the game. Finish the start over. Start over. Start at the beginning. Here we go. Right here together. Finish the play. Finish the inning. Finish the game. Finish the play. Finish the inning. Finish the game. Finish the play. Finish the inning. Finish the game. Let me tell you how important this is. If you're constantly looking at the end of the game and you keep looking at the scoreboard and you're losing, you're not going to focus on what you're supposed to be doing in that moment. Just finish the play. Don't give the devil the play because you're sad and weak and, and just down. Finish the play. Finish the inning. Finish the game. That's what we're called to do. We are called to be finishers. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 23. I know you've heard this about a gazillion times, but I'm going to read it to you again, and y'all are going to act like you never heard it. Okay, here we go. It says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. I don't want to be some sad little Christian girl that doesn't ever do anything in her life. I want to win some stuff. I want some shackles to fall off. I want to turn around and get angry at some demon and just fly off. You know what I mean? Like, I want to do some stuff. All athletes are, dis uh, I'm sorry, all athletes are disciplined in their training. That'll preach right there. I'm just saying. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. So I run with purpose in every step. So I run with purpose in every single step because every step matters. See, here's the thing. A baby can't just decide that it's going to start running sprints. A baby has to learn how to stand up, and that takes about a month of them just doing this back and forth. I just watched my little Quinn bear and watching her learn how to walk. And then they have to learn how to take a first step. And they're still not sure about that, so they never really let go of this back foot. They just kind of do this for a while. Then they begin to teeter-totter around. Then they begin to walk. Then they begin to run. And then they begin to tear up your entire house. But every step has a purpose. And if we skip those steps, we are injured, we are weak, and we are missing. We are lacking. So every single small victory that we get in our lives. It's just to build us 
for a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. So there's this, these moments where you know that only God can do what you need him to do. Only God can get you out of the financial mess hole that you're in. But God does it anyways because your faith is so through the roof from all the small victories that you're built like an athlete. You're built to run. You're built to win that race. Every small victory should be celebrated because it's taking you to the bigger one. Just like finish the play. Well, what's the play? Okay, well, anything in your life. Finish the play. Could be walking around Jericho. There's no bricks falling, but I'm just going to keep walking. Did you hear? Was that a brick? No, that was just gravel. Okay, I'm just going to keep walking. I'm just going to keep walking. Finish the play. Just finish the play. Finish the inning. Maybe that's, I'm going to worship. we got nothing better to do. We're beaten black and blue. We're in jail. We might as well just worship God. Finish the inning. You know, some of you are just, just lonely, surrounded by tons of people, but just lonely. And God's just saying, just pray. Just open the word. Just let me talk to you a little bit. Let me just, let me, let me worship just a little bit so, so I can pour out my love upon you. You can feel my presence in this room with you right now. Just finish the inning. You don't, you just finish the day. Finish the long night time. Finish the game. Conquering the promised land. Finishing what God has called, getting in line with what God has called you to do. Maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's keeping, keeping your kids from flying off the handle, keeping your kids from going into jail. <laughs> I don't know what the promised land looks for you, like for you, but everybody's promised land looks a little different. And then when you, when you conquer that one, then you've got to conquer another one. So just get ready because that's right around the corner, you know. Finish the play, finish the inning, finish the game. Don't give up in the middle of the play. Okay, so you lost an inning. Guess what? The whole game's not over with. It's not over with. So don't look around and don't ask your teammates if it's all going to be okay because they're not going to tell you. Ask your coach, right? Don't look around. They're going to tell you. All the people around are like, no, it's not okay. Your life's falling apart and so is mine. Don't ask them. Ask your coach. <laughs> God can swing anything in your favor, offense or defense. He's the author of all awesomeness that we just sang about, right? He's mighty. He's a deliverer. He's a conqueror. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's everything you need in the offense or in the defense. He can swing it any way you want it to go. God is so good. Can you remember a time that God took something that the devil meant to just take you out and changed it. And you still, you still, to this day, think about it and go, God, you are so good to me. If, if some of y'all, if we had time, I would go into my testimony. Oh, Lord, Lord, I could be so far. You know how God says that he, he be hot or cold? but he splits the lukewarm. Oh, Lord, I was the lukewarm, and I was a bad lukewarm. I was a nasty version of lukewarm. And I will tell you, I did the worst of the worst. I was the biggest hypocrite you've ever met in your entire life. The biggest, the biggest hypocrite. And guess what? God took me out of that and gave me such an honest life and an honest walk with him 
and an honest husband. And God can redeem so much in your life. If he just, you just give him an inch, you just say, you know what, God? <clears throat> I want to win bad enough that I'll change. I'll change. In Psalms 44, chapter 44, verse 3 through 7, it says, They did not conquer the land with their swords. It was not their own strong arm that gave them victory. It was your right arm, right hand, and strong arm, and the blinding light from your face that helped them. For you loved them. You are my king and my God. You commanded victories for Israel. Only by your power can we push back our enemies. Only in your name can we trample our foes. I do not trust in my bow. I don't trust in my abilities. I do not count on my sword to save me. Because if I did, guys, that's foolish. At some point, it will fail you. If it seems like you can't do it, good. Then that means it's God. Because it's supposed to look like that. He wants, you to, he wants to take the worst of the worst and make them the best of the best. Why don't you all stand up with me tonight? I, you know, I do want to sing that song. I, I, again, I don't even know what it's called or how, what, what key. I just know I want to sing it. It's a, I want to sing it. As a church, I feel like we need to be unified in, in one voice, just like those little girls were. And <laughs> I don't want to be all confused and all fluttered and, and feel like we, everybody's going all in different directions and winning different stuff and losing different stuff. As a church, I feel like we need to be united in one front, just like they are. When they say, win the, uh, finish the play, finish the inning, finish the game. I feel like there's some things as a church that we have to get in our head and we can't let the devil take from us. Like, we're going to build a sanctuary. And we already built the foundation. But the sanctuary is coming. And we're going to fill the sanctuary with lost souls. Not just with anybody. We're going to fill them with lost souls. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have every race, every ethnicity, every, every culture, every age. We're going to have it all. It's going to look like heaven up in there. I, I, want our, I want our language to be the same, and I want us to be unified because when we're unified, we don't start looking around and asking so-and-so, well, well, are we winning? Are we winning? No, just stay focused. Let's stay focused and let's win. Let's do something for the kingdom of God in Southeast Texas. Amen? Let's, let's get your whole, all your families here, every single one of them. Let's get everybody, the ones that you've already written off. They're the ones that God wants. As a nation, we need to all be in one voice. It doesn't matter what the economy looks like, we're going to be blessed. Amen. It doesn't matter who's in office, at what level, we're going to be blessed. Amen. We are going to have one voice, united, and we're going to win every, we're going to make every play, and we're going to win every inning, and we're going to win the game, because that's what it says in the back of the book, that yeah. we win. Yeah. Yeah. We win. 